Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to Unfiltered. My name is Ollie Dugmore, and my guest today is a musician. Born in Mullingar Island in 1993, his life was normal. By the age of 16, he was one of the most famous people in the world. Part of the biggest boy band since the Beatles, One Direction. Reflecting on that moment, he said, my childhood was cut short. I never really got the chance to finish school. After the first audition, I packed up everything in my life in a bag. I didn't realise at the time that when I was stuffing clothes into a little suitcase, that was pretty much me leaving home for good. His dad says he went to that audition and never came back. My guest today is Niall Horan. How's it going, pal? Hello. Hello, Ollie. Uh, that, was, that was a hell of an intro. You reckon? Yeah, very good. We're <laughs> off to a cracking start. The vibes are just immaculate. Yeah, I actually, we should just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stop. Job done. Um, what have you been up to? What have you been up to the last few days? How are you keeping? Good, yeah. I just got into Dublin today, doing the, doing the rounds and the promotional run. I've got an album coming out in mm-hmm. June, so um, I'm doing all the bits and pieces for that, and doing a bit around Europe and yeah, just been, just been busy. Gearing up for tour. And I think your sort of headline, well, summer live festival debut is on the way as well. Yeah. I played my first festival ever in uh, May. Big moves. Yeah. And then. How are you feeling about it? Good. No, I can't wait. Cause I love a festival myself. Um, I love going to them. I love the idea of like walking past the stage, seeing a band that you've never seen before. Half cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then convincing that person to stay and listen to your music. Yeah, so that's that's going to be my challenge. Is I, there will be people there that know exactly who I am and w- will be fans, I'd imagine, down towards the barrier. And then hopefully the, the idea is to get a few more <laughs> drunken lads on the way to get mm-hmm. a burger or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the aim. And that'll be your third album. I tried to sort of do the numbers on what you've sold since going solo. I could only find the, sort of the American ones are like very reliable, but right. it was like six point f- f- six and a half million copies, I think, sold in the States <laughs> since you went solo. Um, really, really impressive. How are you finding the experience of writing your own songs and sort of having that full creative control, I'm guessing, really fulfilling. Yeah, it's, 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 an ama- it's amazing. Like, um, I, I've got a good record label where I get left to it, so I kind of, like, I tell them when I'm finished kind of, kind of thing, which is, uh, from what I gather, quite rare, but I've always been quite lucky. Mm. Um, yeah, I just kind of disappear there for a year, 18 months, get in the studio, get the head down, and then in October, November last year, I just went, okay, here, record label, 
it's yours now and then they set it all up and we go for it but yeah no it's exciting it's a it's an album that I spent a lot of time on I think you can hear this you know when you like I don't know if you can hear it but you can tell I can hear time in some people's records like when I listen to music it's like they definitely thought about that they, yeah. they took their time over it they, they stewed on it and uh, I feel like I can hear that in, in this stuff and I'm I'm really excited for it yeah that's but, brilliant yeah. that's brilliant so as with all of our guests on Unfiltered, this mm-hmm. is a show about how the events of your life made you the person that you are today. Yeah. It seems, well, let's start, let's begin at the beginning, which I think is always sensible. Yeah, it's a good, a good idea. It's a good, good way to go. So, um, born in Mullingar. Yeah. My only common reference point for that is the Rubber Bandit song, <laughs> oh, Horse yeah. Outside, at, at the end. It, it does get references, doesn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, tell me about Mullingar. What's good? Small market type town. Typical, very typical Irish looking town, um, kind of working class, um, 30, at the time there was probably 30, 35,000 people. It's probably a lot bigger now, I'm sure. It's, these towns seem to get wider and wider every time, every year. But um, yeah, just a very small working class town and smack bang in the middle of Ireland. Um, parents, my mother worked at a Mullingar Pewter, which is like a like a crafts, uh, Irish crafts place. And my dad worked in Tesco for 35 years. And um, yeah, and then they divorced when I was five, four or five. Mm. Um, and then I kind of jumped between houses. And how was that for you? Because four or five, you're kind of, can you, well, can you remember it? First yeah, I can, I, can, I can remember it happening, but obviously not really knowing what the hell was going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think being that young, I kind of, I didn't know enough about it for for to affect me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or so you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I, so affected. Uh, yeah, no, but it's it's it is one of those things. I'm still so young and not like impressionable at that point. Mm. So it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm completely. Yeah, it happened. It happened to me. My parents split when I was about ten, and so I was more conscious. Yeah. of kind of the relationship between them and how you can kind of end up, I guess, as a bit of a poor, not saying this happened to me, but you yeah. can kind of, as a child, feel a bit like responsible. And if I make this decision because it's more convenient for me, am I upsetting one of my parents? Exactly. But then as you get older, you kind of become more independent compared to your mates because you're only being surveilled by one adult Correct. In, instead of two. <laughs> so you've got to get away with a bit more as well. That's very, very true. Christmas is a tough one. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, it depends, I guess, because uh, you get two Christmas dinners. Yeah, but jumping between, it's just a pain. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm going there this year, I'm going there next year. It's like, it's a... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just... Rotors. For, forever pleasing. Mm. But um, yeah, it kind of gotten to the point now where it's just, it just happens. Do you remember the first time you performed not necessarily musically mm. but the first time the first bit of performance you did oh, Christ um, yeah I was probably like this the, the choir teacher at school in our little like I went to a primary school of about th- two or three hundred kids tiny little like rural school and the, there was a woman in there Anne Caulfield and she was my, one of my teachers and she also played piano and did all the choir stuff at Christmas carols and all that stuff and she kind of heard me sing one day and then had me like sing, you know, solos and some of these little Christmassy things. And then I played, she got me to play Oliver in the production of Oliver Twist uh, when I was about seven. I think it was seven or eight, probably. Um, and that was like my first playing a lead role at that young, uh, in such a big role like Oliver or whatever. So I was that was probably the first thing I can... Mm really remember and then it was just kind of she would always just kind of put me forward for things you know 
trying to build confidence to, mm-hmm. you know. Did a um, good job. <laughs> she, she did all right, didn't she? <laughs> She's brilliant. I still talk to, all, to her today. Awesome. Um, How were yeah, you at school, generally? Well behaved? I was a combination. I think it was a bit of a messer, a bit of a class clown, but I, like a B, C, D student. I was never going to, like, take over the academic world, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I was, I was a mixed bag never going to as I said never going to take over the academic world had a bit of a laugh enjoyed school and then yeah that was that's the way I was yeah it was a bit of a mess yeah. so often it is there's people have a teacher it could be like I'm thinking probably of Ian Wright you know Mr Pigeon that mm. PE teacher who sort of like made it for him how good is that yeah um, that video when, when they see each other the first time oh my god please made me cry that goosebumps now yeah 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 um <laughs> He goes, I thought you were dead. Yeah, I know. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not here. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Um, was your choir teacher, did similar type of role, was that your favourite teacher? Did she, yeah. she, the development you had really left an impact on you? Yeah, probably, because our school, any school basically in Ireland is very sports-centric, very like Gaelic football, very, you know... Yeah, like very ba- like a lot based around this. Maybe less so primary school. Primary school is primary school. You know, mm. you're teaching kids how to add, to multiply, and draw a few pictures. Like it's not overcomplicated, <laughs> but um, not that I'm undermining anything that they did. <laughs> they, ma- they made no me. for sure. But you know what I mean. It's yeah, not you know. Um, so you have y- y- teachers nurture mm-hmm. at that age, whereas as students of an older age just annoy mm-hmm. teachers. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think she just kind of took me under her wing with a couple of the other lads in, in, in our class and just kind of made me the the singer when everyone else was all sporty and I didn't yeah, really yeah, play yeah. the Gaelic. I was, I was too small to play Gaelic football. They were all big and strong and I was just never grew. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of stuck to the singing. Were your, were your family musical? No, not at all. Light music? Uh, or, yeah, big yeah. music fans. Yeah, like I grew up on a lot of like 70s American rock. Um, you can hear it, yeah, in your work. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, that's a good, good thing, I suppose. It's kind of a, at this mo- at this point, it's like subconsciously kind of I pick up the guitar, and that's what I naturally play. Mm-hmm. You know, and having heard, that's I went to an Eagles concert when I was four. It was like my first gig at the RDS, that's sick. and I think that was like my intro to music and mm-hmm. like vinyl in the house and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, just yeah, that was they were all both mad into it and had like a ma- an amazing vinyl collection uh, in the house so I was yeah I was brought up on the good stuff still listen to it now like there's no it's it's the groundwork for what I do and your dad as well in terms of other passions mm. massive Derby fan right massive Derby County fan yeah he's over there every week honestly he's unbelievable that fella he um, every, most weekends he's over there mm. um, you go as well I try yeah when I go yeah I was there I was at Oxford United a couple of weeks ago been down to Portsmouth this season on a Friday night in the freezing cold <laughs> Uh, how, how does a family living in Mullingar yeah. end up going to Pride, well, maybe not Pride Park initially. Baseball ground, yeah. Yeah, like, what's, what's the story there? How does that happen? He, I think when he was, he was born in 60, so 71, 72, he started getting into football and we had won the league with Brian Clough and it was, at that point, it was literally Derby or Leeds and he probably would have still been listening to it on the wireless or something and just kind of formed his opinion on English football through mm-hmm. that and then just whatever money he was making he was going trying to get over at least a couple of times a season or whatever and then it snowballed into a passion where we'd go there was a period when we were going nearly every weekend not awful lot of money bear in mind he was like bringing us on you know a Tesco wage and he 
was mad into it and then you realise there's a load of Irish people who support Derby and then it became a bit of like a you know the the Irish Rams would turn up at Dublin airport on a Saturday morning or for years we went on the ferry I bet there was some good piss ups there oh great yeah well I wasn't sadly wasn't involved in any of them when I was that age but it looked like good crack yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was uh, it was brilliant we, uh, we used to get like the stupid o'clock ferry at like 6am from from Dunleary to to Hollyhead and then get the train as the sun was coming up to crew and change of crew and then crew to Derby and then literally at 10 to 5 out the door straight to back onto the train crew the reverse it's extraordinary and it, yeah and, then, and he's still at that now well, obviously then Ryanair came about <laughs> so it changed the so mechanics have been changed yeah. a little bit East Midlands Airport became became <laughs> the spot and then uh, yeah he's still at it every every other week he was there at the weekend watching us get thumped 2-0 against Forest Green Rovers or something like that so it's not quite the it's gone days. beyond football fandom now yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. Uh, it's a thing masochism mm-hmm. um, your childhood and education was cut short like I said at the top of this mm. Uh, in, in the introduction by One Direction mm. and The X Factor. The bastards. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> God, I really hate those guys yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe they took me out of school. <laughs> um, Rolling Stone call One Direction, and this is a direct cro- mm-hmm. quote, one of the great rock and roll bands of the 21st century. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sarcastic. With, yeah, with, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. With hindsight, obviously, think you can make comments like that, but at what point did you sort of sit up and go, hang on, there's something happening here? You know, this isn't this isn't what my other 16-year-old mates are at. Yeah, it was, um, God, it, because it was so quick, but gr- uh, gradually quick. <laughs> <laughs> it felt, because there was no, like, I can't think of a specific moment, but it was like, it was like that, but mm. when you're in the mix... A short period of time feels like a long period yeah, of time. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, And you're in the bubble going along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just, like, coming to the, coming to the States, like, going to the States for the first time in 2011 or 12 and seeing, like, the madness for a country we'd never been to before. Yeah. And, like, you know, in our head, from our neck of the woods, it's America's the thing, isn't it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we were seeing it outside the X Factor studio and we were seeing bits around the UK and because you know they know us because we were on their TV screens every Friday night or every Saturday night and then it was just getting to the States and like seeing that madness or going to like it, places like Italy and yeah and the st- streets being blocked off and like shutting down Times Square and like, <laughs> like you know like mad stuff like, yeah yeah that's when you're like what's going on I think the point you made there on about being on TV as well, because, you know, when the show was in its peak around then, I think it was getting about 15 million people watching mm. it every night, right? So yeah. you go from being a normal teenager, it, it gets broadcast, 15 million people yeah. all of a sudden know exactly who you are. Yeah. You know, they've done the emotional backstory thing. They've built you up. Yeah. They've done all that. Yeah. You're going through the show and by Sunday, you're famous, you know? I guess this is kind of what you mean by quick and gradual. Yeah, yeah. Was it difficult to adjust? Um... Yes and no. Like the fact that I literally like packed a suitcase and never went home. Mm. Fourteen years later, still the same thing. Um, like that. That was mad. But then again, I'd watched the X Factor for years. I was and I was just like going along with it. Like mm. this is brilliant to meet these new lads. We're having a great time. We're. I was sixteen or seventeen or something like that. Just being sixteen and seventeen, very impressionable. Just going along with things seeing what happens, playing it by ear, having fun, making tunes. Like, it was all 
just happening and it's I was there it's, yeah <laughs> well, I was more than there yeah. down a little bit yeah um, but I guess it's kind of like a continuation of school maybe in a way but mm. you, you, you like you were saying making tunes and yeah you made some tunes five years five records mm. four world tours mm. two of which were arena tours mm. the thing that impresses me one of the things that most impresses me about it is the work ethic mm. that, yeah. that, that that involves and actually at the beginning you mentioned uh, time Mm-hmm. You mentioned being able to listen to a record and hear time. Yeah, what was the story with that work ethic? Were mm-hmm. you making hay while the sun shines? You were like, "We're having a great time here. Let's go, let's go, let's go." Did you want to be working that hard and that yeah, intensively? It was, it was a, in hindsight, we like it, that's why you kind of stopped for a second because, like, it was just like, "All right, we've done a lot here. Mm-hmm. Maybe just like everyone calm down for a second. But it's not so much striking while the iron's hot. It's more the demand is there. Like, you can go, we can go and we can play, like, two years of stadiums, like, which is nuts. And at that point, not a lot. Like, it was U2, basically. And <laughs> there wasn't many, like, people playing stadiums ra- ra- around then. Uh-huh. Um, and it was just, the demand was there and it was fun. It was a great laugh. We were just bouncing around the place on a bus, going all over the world, seeing different places, getting up on stage to countries that don't even speak the same language as you and they're singing the words back at you yeah we remember the first, first time we went to South America we played in Bogota, Colombia first night never been in the place in our lives never been to South America and we played to, to like 50,000 people on the first night people that don't even speak the same language as you and they're roaring lyrics back and I always just find that like that's the maddest thing about what we do but I remember seeing that as well that was another point where I was like Christ this is a different league this, this is, is not. Yeah. This is serious. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. I mean that's completely completely extraordinary. You're saying mm. there there's a lot of demand. So obviously, you know, a lot of sales. Mm. I'm thinking of myself at that time. Yeah. 16, 17, 18 year old me. <laughs> <laughs> getting a payday like that mm. and I'd be thinking, well, I'll put it like this, I wouldn't be buying premium bonds. I'd be I'd be doing something <laughs> a bit, I'd, be doing, I'd be doing something a bit silly with my money and I just wonder was there a moment, you know, like, you, you know, there's a moment where mm. you go, oh my God, this is massive, and mm. you get that first big paycheck. Mm. Do you spend it on something a little bit ridiculous, or were you kind of doing the Stormzy thing and buying your mum a house and all yeah, that? Yeah, no, I did that. Bought my mother a house, did, paid the mortgage off first. Yeah. That was the first one. Brilliant. Um, uh, did I get, I think I might have got my mother a car. She was driving like a Deo something, <laughs> and uh, I got her a car. Um Things like that, yeah. Sort There's something out. in me as a son that just makes me want to do that. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like being able to offer, it's like such a good yeah. thank you. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Pay I mean, it back. I, well, yeah. Literally brought, dragged me up. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was brought up. I wasn't dragged up. Um, but you know, being able to do that stuff is class. Like coming from a small working class town, knowing how tough it is to raise families and stuff like that. Um, and then being able to like do stuff like that is pretty sweet. Mm. Then, you know, there was... I was able to get myself in a flat and like I always like I feel like such a prick I like my, people ask me like what was the first car you had I was like oh, do I have to tell you yeah you do <laughs> I, now yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I literally I got a Range Rover for my first car yes um, colour what like white yeah, gold no it was black and I had it fucking matted <laughs> yeah. and I was rolling around <laughs> London like just <laughs> yeah. this guy um yeah, but like six by nines in the back. Yeah, the oh yeah, we yeah. were all and big on twenty twos, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was just like it's such a, and I, it was. It's not so much I'm going to splash the cash. No, it's like, no. Well, I have like a you know I was brought up well. You know we got we're we've done all right with the money thing, and you know 
I'm going to get myself a car. Yeah. I, I can. And You've earned it. I'm going to learn how to drive here. And <laughs> In this car. Yeah. I'm going to learn how to drive. Then and the then, insurance was no, I did me, did me uh, test in Barnet in... You know, Maybe High Barnet, whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's a testing centre up there. Some Irish fella taught me how to drive, which sounded dodgy enough already. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and I remember I never did a manual test. Right. I did an automatic yeah, test because yeah. I noticed that all the cars that, like, you can, you can get every car in automatic. I said, mm. why would I put myself through that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, knew I, I, to, I think I knew I had to drive, half drive a tractor. <laughs> um, but, in, but yeah, then I just started, I never did a manual test, did the automatic. Yeah, and so I got myself a car, was able to get myself a flat, and yeah, and they were kind of my big spend. You were talking about um, that show in, in Bogota, mm. and I saw you guys uh, play. It was um, it was the BBC Music Awards, so it was you know it was one. Of, it was like loads were of in different. The NEC. Yeah, 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 loads of different artists. Um, you know, I think you did one song maybe. Mm. And Coldplay, I remember. Yeah, mm. in the in the crowd at the mention of the name One Direction, mm. right? And obviously, every other artist was a bit of applause. And you, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. which you know about. Um, and then your name gets mentioned, and the sound that the crowd created mm. is unlike anything I've heard yeah. anywhere else. Mm. It was I, it's so hard to describe. It's like visceral. You know, yeah, it's like this yeah. instinctive thing. Mm. And I just wonder, as you know, a young man, I'm deaf now. <laughs> you've, been doing, you've been doing well pretending to hear me um, as a young man you walk on stage there's 50,000 Colombians yeah. and I imagine the noise was more extreme than there was the BBC Music Awards which is a bit more sedate affair yeah. how, how does it feel to hear that noise when you, and it's directed at you do you know what I mean you know I've like I've never I'm one of these people that I've never ever gotten bored of like the feeling some people are like I could do without touring I could go home, you know. I'm touring's not for me, but I've I've been always been I've always been excited for every show. Like what you're going to get, the the tension, the, the fact that people have waited and paid like mad money to come and watch it. I've like live off that, um, and that, that when when whatever the start of the show may be, when that starts and the lights go down or whatever, hearing that sound is just like there was there was talk of it being like the sound the same sound as if you were to set off. If a NASA were to launch a rocket in the middle of the stadium, is what well, like the, the decibels. decibel level is the same noise as like fucking Soyuz or something <laughs> like. Um, so yeah, there was talk of that at a few gigs. It's probably more so in South America. Very loud for the passionate, the passionate countries. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, that that feeling is just like it's go- it's goose pimples every time. I bet um, you can't get, if you get bored of that. There's something wrong with you. How do you stay calm? You're you're in the wings. Mm. That happens. You just look at each other and just laugh. <laughs> like we would like there was so many. We actually called one of our stadium tours "Where We Are" tour because we, because we would just be all the time just going, "Look where we are." Yeah, like we literally be just going, "What is this? This is mental." Um, yeah, so we it was it was a laughable offence what was going on. Mm. Like there was you couldn't you know if you laugh if you didn't laugh you cry. Yeah, that phrase you know. So yeah, there was a lot of times where we just stand there, just going, "What the fuck is going on? This is how did we manage this?" It's insane. Yeah, I mean, so you're to come from coming at it from a sort of you know ego perspective, right? Mm. You've got that noise every time you walk out on stage. You've got people queuing for days, mm. you know, to get yeah. into your gig. I think you still got that now. I was reading a review from one of your earlier earlier um, shows in the Guardian. I think it interviewed people who had been there for two days, right, waiting for you so they could beat at the front. Mm. 
You've got all this going on. And again, I keep coming back to how young you were at this mm. time. How did you stay level-headed? How did you How did you try and keep your ego in check? You, you seem so normal now talking to you. And it's just, yeah. it's extraordinary. I don't know. I do get that. But I don't know. I don't really know how. Yeah. Um, I suppose like having good people around. I was actually asked about this a couple of days ago. I, I, the answer is probably the people around. Like... The, the managers, the, the label, the just the people we had in our team, our tour managers are important, our security are important. People like that are very important um, to things like that. And then it's, I'd say, more than most likely our background, mm. like the way we were brought up. It, I think that was half the attraction of One Direction was that people could clearly tell it was five working class young lads from market towns and villages all over the UK and Ireland and they were just like deer in the headlights pop stars you know I think that was what a lot of people were attracted to um, and you just have to we just kept just going along with it seeing what had happened and not because it's probably because we had each other I think there's that thing of being able to keep each other in check but I can't remember any situations of anyone being like over their yeah, station yeah. or whatever, um, mm. if that's even a phrase. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Pro- I'd say more, most likely down to our to our upbringing. I'd imagine mm. brought up, not dragged up. <laughs> <laughs> was there anyone anyone in particular? I don't know who was able to guide you, whether it was uh, you know another another artist mm. or maybe a particular manager or someone in your security that you know in let's say in a particularly stressful situation or whatever you would be able to go to and be able to give you a bit of advice and give you a bit of a steer on how you should handle something. Because, you know, at my, when I was that age, I'd go and talk to one of my parents about it. And yeah, yeah. You're on the other side of the world. Right? Yeah, yeah. There was, there was that. The parents were helpful, though, because you'd just have normal conversation. Yeah. And they were blown away by it, too. So they're, they're, the fact that they were all blown away, it was like, oh, talk to my granny. And she's like, oh, I just cut your 95,000 picture out of the paper. You know, like, <laughs> you still had that. And it was still, you know, it was exciting to hear that. So that brings you down to heart straight away when you hear that kind of thing and mm. um, the parents situation was always good because it was like very simple conversation nothing very Irish oh did you hear who died this week in Mullingar like you know like that's the kind of thing that <laughs> I the, shouldn't be laughing yeah at I know that's but rude. that's the kind of that's where the conversation starts most of the time <laughs> um, but yeah I, I think it was just the simplicity of the conversation and like I remember like my father and my mother saying like you know we've got no idea about this industry at all you know you already know more about that like now and mm. but you know just stay stay grounded don't let it, you get ahead of yourself or anything like that and you know because I think you're you you probably spend your whole career in no matter what it is you're trying to like you're nearly holding on like as if it's on its way out yeah. you know you're like you that's the way we kind of we we think as people it's, it's it's human nature to either get ahead of yourself and it falls flat on its face or you like or grabbing on like yeah. it's like it's going and it's probably not <laughs> um, but yeah there's there's a bit of that that keeps you humble like we were, we were when we were doing stadiums back in the day and even now when I'm like playing arenas and things like that it could be very easily gone like there's another young you know another there's a, some young sexy fella coming up here now just like <laughs> impossible <laughs> impossible you know and you have to think about what's coming and how competitive it is out there and if you, you know there's thoughts that go through your head you know um, mm-hmm. that keep you humble anyway 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Did it change? Has your success, maybe not with your parents, but. I was in, I was listening to an interview. I think it might have been Wan Bissaka or someone like that. Mm. And he was he was talking about when he got his first team debut when he when he was starting for the first time. Mm-hmm. And one of the senior pros said to him, "This weekend you're going to get a lot of people reaching out to you. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of people being like, oh, let's go for a drink. Let's do this, mm. do that.'" And he's like, "Don't stay yourself. Like stay within your zone. Stay with the people that matter to mm-hmm. you." How did it change from that perspective? Your relationships with other people. How did success? change that part of you that part of your life yeah there it's there were definitely some strange ones not that i could particularly put my finger on you just get a feeling mm. um like people that you went to school with that you barely spoke to you know that would wouldn't even look at you in the hallway or no pretending to like kick, kicking the shit out of you yeah, yeah or like <laughs> spinning your around with your bag on your back and <laughs> like you know doing a bit of all that stuff you remember when we were at that house party and remember I was like no I don't I really know um, I was 15 16 um, uh, a lot of that and then like yeah you, like, like family asking you to get like autographs signed and tickets for this person and videos for that person's nephews cousins you know all mm. that kind of stuff but that's kind of slowed down a lot I think the excitement of you know, at all it was a bit much for everyone. Um, there are yeah. definitely like there are definitely like relationships that are yeah silently fractured without you know when you're when you are in that that level of I guess fame, right? This sounds like a stupidly broad question, but like what happens? What like what is in the terms of like the details of your life? What changes? You know, have you got someone who is like a PA or whatever mm. who is really there for any need you have? They help you out. Is it mm. like body doubles going out of different entrances no, to I've hotels? Done all that, yeah. You've done all that. I've done decoyed like, vans and yeah. So how does it change like the the logistics of your life? Because I'm assuming now, I don't know. Do you are you able to sort of like walk and go and get a pint of milk or go for a pint and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like what, what changes for someone who hasn't experienced it? What- yeah, I think the height of 1D, I, in hindsight, I probably could have gone more places. But the fear of going somewhere and getting pictures and autographs every step, because there was periods where you'd go out and you wouldn't get five yards outside the door and it'd be cars pulling over on the street and countryside or you go into the pub and everyone is looking at you or... Anything. I remember one time I went to stupidly went to Westfield in Shepherd's Bush, and honestly swore to God I was like I'm going to die in here. 
<laughs> I'm never getting out of here. <laughs> Outside There's more people coming yeah. to Westfield. They're swarming. <laughs> it's like Sean. It's like Sean of the Dead or something. Um, but yeah, no, I remember. Like it was the f- probably the fear of that kept me in, and I probably be- probably became a bit of a recluse in ways. Early doors, probably I'd say 2012, 13, that kind of w- world. Um, 14 maybe as well, where it was just kind of yeah, the f- it, yeah, it was probably all in my head. Uh, like became a recluse because of the, the thought of going out <laughs> when I probably could have because in hindsight now I'm able to, I literally live the most normal like life that I could possibly live in in the, in the scenario I'm in mm. you know I like do my like I could go I know this is sounds stupid because there was a period where I couldn't do any of this but go to the shops and buy my own stuff and make my own dinner and do you know do the washing when I need to and you know, just general stuff. Like, I'm, there was a period where if someone said to me, "Do you want to grab a coffee or do you want to go for lunch?" I would have said, "Absolutely not." Mm. And now, like, you know, was I right to have been so quiet and reclused? You know, uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, I tried. I do try. I have an assistant, like you know, with uh, helps me with day to day stuff, calendar management, yeah. house things. You know. General stuff, um, and that's very helpful, obviously, because I'm on the move all the time, and you know, be disaster if I just locked, turned the key in the house, and that was it. Um, I come back to a pit <laughs> of <laughs> dust. Um, but yeah, no, like that's that kind of thing's great, and I used to like have security every single where every single place I went, and it you know, there'd be someone standing there all the time, mm. and I just was like, I don't need it. That like, almost I can feels de- like-, like I grew up and went. I can actually deal with this myself. Mm. <laughs> do you know, I can like yeah. if someone comes up to me and asks for a photo, or and a few people do. It's just like, yep, just like you know, you like, get used to things. Most most people are decent, right? Like most people mm. just want to like say hello to you a lot of the time, mm. I guess. And I would, I just like to the word you use there, fear. Mm. That's a really powerful word yeah. to talk about something that I think a lot of people would just immediately think, well. What's, what's to complain about? You know, yeah, it's like it's such a good thing. But mm. to you to use that word, it's clearly like a really deep feeling that you had at the time, and yeah. it kind of like you were saying, it's also self fulfilling. You know, because mm. you're scared, you don't go out. You don't go out because you're scared, and then you're just yeah, spiraling. Snowball, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It is. It's a. I don't know. I don't know what I was fear like when I, when I think about. It, it's like what was I fearful about? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there is that like, and people are they're okay. Like that's fine if they have that view. You know, yeah, you're rich and famous, and yeah, it must be brilliant. You know, but there is a side of it when you've just come from zero to zero to hero for the one of a better phrase. Um, you know, the shock of it. Mm. You know, one day you're not, and then you are. Then the next day, and it's just like a bit. It's a bit of a shock to the system, and you just kind of you're trying to be as live a normal life, and the stuff that comes with it is a bit of like oh. I wasn't expecting this. Um, mm. um, yeah, they're just it's they're human feelings, but and fair enough. People have that view or whatever, but I've lived it, and I just kind of know what it's. Obviously, there are great perks as to what I do, but there was a couple of times where I was a bit not all the time. By the way, I sound like I was like depressed in what I was doing. I wasn't. I was loving it, but a couple of little things that I would have loved to have would yeah would have loved to have done different. Maybe did you? Did you grow up at all during this time? And I don't yeah. mean that to sound know, as like yeah. rude as it does. I mean it sincerely because simultaneously you're talking about 
the kind of the machinery that surrounds you at that time, mm. right? And as a 16, 17, 18-year-old guy, I, I think of myself, mm. right? I made mistakes. Yeah. I made a lot of mistakes. Mm. I got to make them in private. Mm. I didn't have the glare of the Daily Mail mm. pointing at me. I didn't have all of these people around me, like this apparatus to, mm. that exists, I guess, to insulate you in a way, but also, like you said, to sort of take care of you, help you, assist you with all the stuff that's going on. So what did that mean for you and your kind of, yeah, development and like growing up? Yeah, it was a ver- obviously a very different, up, like very different formative years to most people. Um, there was a, there was a, we were in a bubble and we were just, the circus was going into towns and leaving it and there was people around doing stuff. We just probably had to grow up quicker. Like, as you said, you probably got to make some of your mistakes in private. I don't know if I made a ton of mistakes, but if I did, I did them publicly, probably. Um, and that's a very different thing for a 17, 18-year-old to, to, to deal with. Um, I've always been a bit carefree and just kind of gone with it. Mm. With, every, with everything, to be honest with you. I get that vibe from you. Yeah, yeah I just like, well, I'm not a bad, I'm not a bad person, I don't think. Uh, I might have made a few mistakes, fair enough, and that's that. And we all do that. Um, and I could live with that and just go and plodding along, taking every day as it comes. But yeah, probably subconsciously, because of the, the shielding and that we had to do, you know, in our lives, if we wanted any sort of privacy, it probably matured you in a way that you didn't realise. Um, and probably uh, probably some parts of my emotions or whatever probably got left behind for a couple of years and I'm probably catching up still I don't know we're mm. yet to find out this is Ollie my therapist <laughs> we're going deep we're going deep man um, wait to see us in the pub in about an hour <laughs> that's, yeah that's, that's my, thera- my therapy is yeah. just you know uh, an over-reliance on alcohol as like an emotional crutch instead of actually dealing with any of the shit in my head um, <laughs> um, okay so let, let's move on then. The actual moment, you know, uh, 1D comes to an end. Mm. When did you realise that it was over? Uh, there was a chat about a year out. Maybe less, actually, probably less. And it was just like, right, after this run, we'll just take it easy for a bit. Um, we were all, like, as I said, there was so much done in a short period of time. And people always used to say, well, you're young. You can do it. You know, you're spring chickens. Mm. But uh, for anyone, that's intense. You know, such a life shift, so much going on on a different level. Um, yeah, so that I think it was just kind of like, right, let's, let's slow down for a sec. You described it as, I've seen you describe it in the past, mm. as a madness or as madness. Mm. So what comes after madness? Is there is there a calm after the storm? Like, how did you spend the time immediately afterwards? Straight away, we finished in December and I was in Australia on January the 2nd. A uh, cousin of mine was living down there and he was leaving. He spent five or six years down there. It was December 31st, wasn't it, your last show? So December, probably mid-December. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think, oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was mid-December, I think it was. And then I was like home for Christmas. And then I cousin was leaving. He was living in Australia for five years in Melbourne. And he was leaving to move back. And he literally packed up his bag. He p- sold his golf club, sold his bed, sold his blah, blah, blah. And... Packed his whole life into one bag after five years, and then we met him in Australia, and then we went up through Southeast Asia, just the four, three of us, and just stayed in dump hotels and hostels, and just had a great laugh. It was brilliant, such a good laugh. You found yourself. I found myself. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was deep, man. Showing my tattoos there. <laughs> really deep. Um, okay, 
So what was it like performing for the first time Yeah, by yourself? Strange, yeah. I remember the first thing I did was, I think the first thing I did was Graham Norton. And I just remember like sitting in the dressing room and usually there'd be like a period where someone's out smoking a cigarette, someone's gone to the toilet two seconds before we go on stage, we're now late, so I just sit on the couch and wait for it. And I remember going, I'm not waiting for anyone. I can go on my own time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I remember that, that being the, the feeling. <laughs> you know, when they call you, they're like, oh, five minutes, lads. You're like, Lee's in the toilet. He's out the back door smoking a cigarette. You know, we're just, we'll just give me, we'll wait. Um, so I remember that being the thing and then getting to stage and just looking around and there's less people. But apart from that, I just always trust myself as like a performer. So I just had to go and do it. But um, definitely different. I wouldn't say strange. I wouldn't say just a, diff- a different experience. Not really comparable. As as a man of the same age, in fact, it turns out the exact same age as you. We have we shut ha- up. We're born on the same day. What? Yeah, I know. There's 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 multiple parallels happening here. I know. Small world. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Thirteenth September. Yeah, man. Ninety three. Ninety three. Yeah. Shut your <laughs> mouth. Yeah. I don't. What what time were you born? Eight a.m. Seven a.m. Oh, an man. hour older, my guy. Sorry, I've just grown about a couple of inches. There. That is nuts. Crazy, I've never met it? anyone That's mad, from the 13th. Yeah, anyway, so what, what I was... We'll, we'll, You've got a much stronger beard than I'd ever be able to pull off. Fair play you're to. laying it on thick, Niall. Thank you. <laughs> I, appreciate, I, I appreciate it. Um, but what I was what I was going to say was, mate, like, I, I think about myself and how I conceive of myself in my career, and I think I'm 29. I reckon my peak is in my future. Mm-hmm. And in your situation, reaching the heights that you reached mm-hmm. in one direction, to then go solo and kind of be standing on that cliff, mm. I just imagine the pressure, and that can either manifest itself mm. as a really heavy pressure, or possibly also as an anxiety. Mm. And I, to hear you describe you playing for the first time like that, mm. the, I, I would have thought there'd be this you know crazy burden on your shoulders. I don't know. I think if the song was shite, I would have been a bit more nervous. <laughs> and that's the God's Back honest truth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember writing it going, all right, this this will do for now. <laughs> this might get me somewhere. Um, it's, a lot, it's a lot easier to stand up on a stage when you've written a good one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think so, anyway. Um, but no, I, there definitely was like, a, I just had to trust in what I thought I was good at, which is writing tunes and performing. And I felt like, I could just keep doing it. Luckily enough, I had the fan base there. Mm. So I knew I wasn't walking into a dark room. You know, it was it was going to be somewhat, you know, strong. And then I've, thankfully I've had a couple of songs that have done well and, you know, I've been able to play some amazing, do some amazing stuff. But there was definitely a period of like, geez, I need to, I need to get it right first time around. There's, no, there's probably no yeah. second go at this, you know. I'll just be forgotten about. <laughs> but um, I didn't think about that too much, to be honest. That would have been a very easy hole to fall into. So why know, did- I am nothing without this, you know, like I just, I do need, I just trust in myself. Why do, so why do you think you didn't fall into that hole then? Where, like, where's that, I guess you'd say self-belief, but obviously you've been incredibly successful, so I, you, you, would, you would believe in yourself, right, I guess. But. Yeah, I don't know. You can't really put your finger on it. You can just roll with the punches and I trusted that I had a decent album and... I worked with similar people and I knew what I wanted to write about and it was all kind of there in front of me and it was just, I had to just kick the ball into the goal. Um, thankfully, I did. And the, the fan base is a massive part of that. Mm. Like, being able to go around the world, you know, 
is helpful. It's awesome. <laughs> it's cool. You know, it is. It's it's amazing that you know I can go most places in the world and play a gig. It's f- like it's just it's phenomenal. I realize how lucky I am. But having that, knowing that, helps. You know, like as I said, I'm not walking into a dark room. People will listen. I just it's now about gathering momentum and still doing that. To be honest with you, it's still like three albums in mm. uh, and a pandemic later um, <laughs> you know I still, you're still trying always try, it's so competitive out there you're competing again I, I'm just really competitive with myself about writing the next best song and then there's the, the you know the other singers that are out there competing with you and you're trying to you know and your old bandmates I guess yeah and then, and then boys as well but we there's no like we're very good at that we're not like because if we all made the same type of music then maybe mm. I'd say there would be like a silent kind of, you know, dig here and there, but now nah, we're very good with each other. It's like, yeah. Have you watched um, Capaldi's Netflix doc? No, I haven't got around to it yet, actually. Um, but I'm also very good you friends know, with him yeah. and aware of... What, what he's gone through, right? Yeah. So, yeah, okay. I, what I'm coming at it from is yeah. I've watched an hour and a half of Netflix. You actually have being his friend. So, <laughs> so you've got a much better idea of what I'm about to talk about yeah. than I do. But I, I was watching that and th- I just you know, his extraordinary success mm. and the way it kind of manifests and then morphs into this in- incredibly heavy burden mm. and the pressure it put him under. And I wonder what, what the, maybe the, maybe not the point of difference. Maybe there is a point of difference between the two of you. I don't know. But the way you've handled that pressure, why is it different? And then I guess because you're mates, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit yeah. about how you've kind of helped him and spoken to him about, I guess, your experience and how maybe that can inform how he's yeah. dealing with it. Yeah, I think there are similarities. Two working class lads, two Celtic boys, mm. you know, spring to fame, like Michael Richards once said. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, what did he say? And Roy Keane said to him, uh, what was his line? Um a shot, shot shot onto the scene or something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, but you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, no, the, there are a lot of similarities. Did you see Roy Keane just saying baby the other day? No. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. It was a player. There's a player. So he goes, he's just a baby. Is that, he's, a, just, he's just a baby. And then a baby. Th- there's a pause and he goes, baby. And they all like collapse <laughs> in laughter. It was, it was unreal. Absolutely Such unreal. nonsense. Yeah. It's a baby. <laughs> um, no, there are definitely similarities myself and Capaldi. Like the second I met him, we were just straight in, like good mates. Like I, I don't have a lot of, I don't particularly want any, but fa- there's a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people think that fa- famous people are all friends with famous people. Not necessarily the case. There's a lot of arseholes around there too. Um, and me and Cavalli just happened to get on very well the minute we met and similar taste in music, like a few pints, have a bit of a laugh and we get on very well. Um, and we have that similarity where we just kind of, it happened very fast for him. Like one minute he's, mm. you know, just throwing a couple of YouTube videos and then he's playing arenas or just went to watch him in Atlanta, Georgia last week. Like he's, now he's an international star of his own. Um and that happened very quick for him um, with great music. So there we've ha- we've definitely have that in common. Like I spoke to him the other day. He was in tour in Toronto and we we're just shooting the shit and talking about like what it's like in the road and how long he's got left and how he's enjoying the shows. And we chat about that kind of stuff. And then we've had some darker conversations too, obviously, because that's what friends do. Um, but I've always like felt like I've been there for him. He asked, used to ask me like questions early on about this and that and... And I just help wherever I could, but I can't. That's his 
his anxieties and his um, mental health is something I obviously can't control. But I'll be there to calm him if I can. Oh, he's obviously got great parents, as you can see, and they're just brilliant with him and all his mates, and he's got good folk around him. And um, yeah, it was just we just have, we do have a lot in common, and I can help him wherever I can. I'm not I'm no genius either. There's no there's no book for it really is there but you just have to I know, yeah, I know a, a little bit be a mate to him yeah. yeah do you think I just picked up on that then you talked about his friends from home right and they are just his they're his mates right they're yeah. his mates from before he was famous yeah. do you think there's there's something to be said for that about I guess being friends with normal people mm. staying grounded and also people who just because I, I guess the pressure in your life it can manifest in different ways maybe it's because you feel this pressure of success maybe it's pressure to pay your electricity bill. There's commonality there. Mm. And actually staying in touch with not losing your mates because you think, oh, I'm better than them or whatever, mm. whatever deluded thing some people get into their heads. Mm. But actually keeping that support network and fre- like friendship oh, yeah. circle can be so useful for you for anyone from like a mental health perspective. Oh, right? there's no doubt, yeah. Fact, like I, all of, I don't really have many new friends. I don't particularly need them or want them. <laughs> um, all of my mates are from home and like some lads have moved to London or whatever and we spend a bit of time there too, but... All of my mates, my best mate, he moved to America for work, and we live together still. And since I, I've known him since I was four, went to, we went to primary school together. Um, like we're, I, yeah, it's just it, it happened that way, and I'm glad it does. You know, it's like it's 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 very important. I think you know they're off doing their jobs. Like one of Lewis's mates is just like a grave digger, and his other mate works in finance, and the other fellow works in. Recruitment, and then my mates are, um, you know, working property and you know, just yeah, like there's normal lads. just normal lads doing. But it's all very relative. Like it's not like I'm going around going. I don't pretend. I don't tend to talk about work a lot in front of them, to be honest, because mm. like it's just people. You know, most people don't. I don't know. Like I, yeah. there's that classic thing of like you get down. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. then you're just like off talking about yeah, some yeah, absolutely yeah, nonsense, yeah. <laughs> nonsense thing. You know what I mean? Literally, by the way. It's like, I'd, yeah, I'd, a grave digger as well. That's I'd love to. I, you saying, oh, I don't need any new friends. I would love to become friends with a grave digger because yeah. that I'd just be fascinated by that man. Yeah, That's he's extraordinary. A, he's great lad as well. But yeah, no, yeah. It, it, there's, um, yeah, I think it's it is important. If it's not like we've, I don't think it's not like we're like I'm trying to keep in touch with my, you know, my my old life. It's not like that. It's just that's the way it just is. Just doing my bit for the community. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm not trying to like keep myself down to earth by forcing relationships with old friends. But no, I definitely like. Mm-hmm. Nah, we're just that's just the way it is. We got we're all still in the same, in the have the same interests and in sport and drinking and <laughs> <laughs> there are the commonalities always. Would you do it all again? What? If you had the choice. 16-year-old you. Yeah. Yeah. Says this is where you'll end up. Yeah. You get a choice. You can do it, you can't. You go somewhere else, some other way. Yeah. Oh, no, 100%. Yeah. I've had a very good experience of it. I'm sure there are, like, you hear horror stories, don't you? I've never really met anyone with, with a mad horror story, but you do hear horror stories of they weren't looked after or they fell into a hole or, you know, like this. But I, I just... Don't know whether it's a character thing or the way I was brought up or I don't know, but I've just kind of I've just really loved all of it. I'm like, yeah, there's relative days where you're just a bit like, oh, fuck this, but we all have that. Um, but I'm I, I love I just, I just love the the madness. I wouldn't change much at all. Actually, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, you learn from 
the mistakes and you go at it again. And I mean, the perks of what I do is just incredible. So I'm one of the lucky, the very lucky few over the decades to be able to do what we do. So, um, yeah, no complaints for me. I wouldn't change a thing. No, Horan, thank you so much. Thank you, Dolly. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Really appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Brilliant. What a fucking interview that was. Happy. That's the best one I've ever done. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.